This is Gotham TV Podcast, episode 79, where we're talking about season three of Gotham, episode two, Burn the Witch. Hey, this is Drew Powell. I play Butch Gilzine on Gotham, and you are listening to Gotham TV Podcast. Yes, that was Drew Powell, and that was our intro by the wonderful Mississippi McDonald. Thank you so much for joining us for our second episode of Season 3 of Gotham. I'm one of your hosts, Derek. Hi, I'm one of your other hosts, John. And we're here to burn the witch. Absolutely, and a lot of burning there was as well. This was <laughs> medieval Gotham. This was 16th century mm-hmm. Gotham. Yeah, no pitchforks, um, no no fire, but very close. There were baseball bats <laughs> yeah. and uh, big hammers and planks of four by two or whatever like <laughs> two by four uh, two by yeah. four <laughs> you know there was a lot of mob action in this episode absolutely disturbing mob action just a bit. <laughs> but maybe it's the times we live in possibly possibly but in case you haven't guessed we are talking about spoiler filled discussion of burn the witch season three episode two of gotham uh, i just couldn't get the um the queens of the stone age song out of my head the minute i heard burn the witch i was singing it in my head the whole way through the episode absolutely <laughs> <laughs> and, and given that Danny Cannon was involved in this episode, directing and so mm-hmm. on, that could be a distinct possibility. Damn. He does like his music. He certainly does, yeah. definitely. Definitely. But I think we should get into the second episode of the show. What do you think, John? Absolutely. About time. Welcome back, listeners. As always, good to have you on board. Uh, if you want to subscribe to the podcast, you can subscribe to us over at our website at gothamtvpodcast.com. There's loads of subscribe links there. Or if you use any podcast catcher, just search for Gotham TV Podcast. But I think it's good to get into our top five case points for this episode. Uh, we have changed it up. If you didn't listen to our first episode of the season, we have changed up the way we cover the, cover the episodes. Uh, we are talking about a top five between the two of us this time, rather than talk about 10 points about the episode with loads of crossover. So let's start off the way we always do, though, with a little bit of production notes about the episode. John already mentioned Danny Cannon has, ep- has directed episode two as well as episode one. Uh, but the episode was written by Ken Woodruff, again, one of the most prolific writers in Gotham. He pretty much gets all the introductions to some of the main characters. That's why he's got this episode with yeah. the, the big moment with Ivy Pepper, which we'll talk about later on. Uh, because previously he directed Azrael, uh, Mr. Freeze. He did Scarecrow in season one and Arkham. He's done a lot. So loads of and loads of introductions Absolutely. to characters so far. So uh, a really good uh, writer on the show. John, do you want to tell us what he gave us with the synopsis for the episode? Sure. After the break-in to Wayne Manor, Bruce is brought before the leader of the Court of Owls, a woman named Catherine, whom he recognises from various Wayne functions. In exchange for the lives of those closest to him, a deal is struck, and he is ordered to cease his investigations into the Court of Owls, Wayne Enterprises, Indian Hill, and the deaths of his parents, to which he obliges. Elsewhere in Gotham, in order to heal herself, Fish captures Bullock and uses her powers to make him lead her to the secret facility holding Hugo Strange. Gordon makes a deal with Fish to help her escape with Strange if she hands over Harvey after the secret laboratory is surrounded by Penguin and his mob. Gordon informs Penguin of her escape route, however, and Penguin prepares to kill her. But when she reveals that she let him live because he was her greatest creation, he lets her go. The mob breaks into the facility and kills some of Fisher's monsters. 
Valerie visits Gordon about this deal with Fish, and they share a kiss just as Lee returns to Gotham. Elsewhere, Ivy washes ashore as a grown woman and begins her affinity with plants. Mm -hmm. As Bruce and Alfred talk about the ordeal and possible dancing lessons, another far more recognisable person breaks in to Wayne Manor. They really do need a good alarm on Wayne Manor, don't they? Don't <laughs> Those windows are a security hazard. Yeah. And quite frankly, Alfred should have recognised this by now. I mean, I would have bricked them up. I know. Like, Selena's been in that room about 15 times. She just walks in the window anytime Bruce is in there studying. We've got uh, the Talon last week and now Doppelganger Bruce. Uh, yeah. Brucelganger, I guess you might call him. And that, that room behind the fireplace, that's their panic room. That's I true. mean... <laughs> The the proto bat cave is being seriously underused here. It, it is really is. You could have uh, a bar, coffee making facilities, <laughs> nice comfy uh, beds. You know the steel box, the panic button. Um, you know, direct line through to GCPD. I do but think no. with, I know, but I do think with Alfred, it would at least be tea making facilities, wouldn't it? And maybe scone making facilities, since he's a Londoner. Absolutely. Mm. Uh, whatever tipple takes your fancy. Um, <laughs> right. But those windows are absolutely security hazard at absolutely. this stage. But let's keep on the theme of uh, of Bruce for our first point of the episode, our first case note. Um, really has to be Bruce and the Elves, doesn't it? This is something we've been waiting for absolutely. since episode one, really, right? Yeah. yeah. This was a huge surprise to me that he came face to face with the owl. Let's face it, it was a owl mm-hmm. uh, with her talon. And um still not confirmed on the name on the show, of course. Uh, we are aware of yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. But, it, is but it, it must be talon. It must be the course of owls. Mm-hmm. It was one of however many owls there are. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was really surprised that that happened, that they came face to face, but more importantly, I think that then, uh, Catherine was revealed that yeah. she took off her mask and, uh, it was laid bare. And I mean, we have clever little Brucey here, you know, really, um, calling the bluff, getting his moment to, um, do the deal, do the bargain with the court of owls. Yeah. But this was like a huge little revelation straight off the bat of the episode. You know, that that's pretty gutsy, I think. Absolutely. And I, I do think um it worked for this episode. But it will be interesting just to see how the this this organization now is dealt with uh, in the rest of the the season. Hmm. Or will it be? Yeah. Or will it be? Yeah. It's, maybe it's kind of it just um maybe it it's kind of helps just to sideline them. Maybe they aren't the big bad um in this season and will be again that you know, that slow brew, like a, a good pot of tea, mm-hmm. um, over the course of season three, uh, and into season four. You know, Absolutely. maybe this is the long game bad guys here. Yeah. Uh, and by long game, I mean, you know, long game. This could go right the way up into, up into Batman. Like we know Bruce will never forget the death of his parents. We know he'll never forgive the people who caused the death of his parents. So it was quite interesting to see that he made this deal with them and, you know, did repeat to Alfred that, um, he has made the deal and he's willing to stick by it. So hence why Alfred did suggest the dancing lessons to take up some time for Master Bruce. Yeah, but I mean, I do <laughs> like the fact that, you know, Alfred makes the point of how do you know that they will stick to to the bargain? Absolutely. So uh, there is a way out there. Absolutely. And I mean, I actually after that, I thought he was also going to suggest that doesn't mean that I can't investigate your parents murder. Yeah. So 
that he he could be playing around with with the bargain that that Bruce has struck here. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I really like that. And I mean, yeah, that that final scene with the dancing lessons and, and the the twirl of Alfred. I mean, oh, perfect. Absolutely spot on, fantastic. I'm presuming um, we're going to get a Dancing with the Stars cameo or a or a uh, what's the British one again? The Golden Dancing one. The dance <laughs> strictly, strictly, strictly Come Dancing. Strictly that's dancing, it. That's yeah, it. It, it, it's Alfred doing his Strictly Come Dancing. But mm-hmm. I the think vo- that- the voiceover for. For Master Chef does strictly come dancing. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. Absolutely. And I mean, he'll look great in, um, you know, a, 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 a smart, uh, top and tail. Yes, he yeah. will. Yeah. He Not really will. And the bow tie. Mm-hmm. Um, it'd be really good. <laughs> but I reckon he could probably rock sequence. Um, to be honest. Yes. You know, he has. I wouldn't he, tell him he couldn't wear it. He's, um, dressed up in drag before. Um, you know, <laughs> so like, he certainly could. But I thought that this was a great little scene between Alfred uh, and Bruce. Mm-hmm. It felt really natural. I suspect that maybe uh, David Mazous was not acting as much as he normally does at the moment he's laughing because of uh, Alfred talking about dancing lessons and yeah. doing the pirouette. <laughs> um, I do think that, I mean, to me, it just looks so natural. It, it looked like they were having really good fun doing that scene, mm-hmm. uh, because of, of Alfred's pirouette. Um, I thought it was really good. Yeah. And of course, yeah, then we have leaky windows and lo and behold, <laughs> there's the doppelganger. It's the Brussel ganger is back. Yes. Yeah, with his long hair coming in, going, don't hurt me, which is really interesting because a lot of people were thinking at the end of last season, I think including us, that when we saw him, this was going to be evil Bruce, the parallel universe Bruce, you know, Um, he was going to be a bad guy. In fact, I think we said at the end of last episode that he was going to turn up at the mansion. Um, and that he was going to possibly take Bruce's place. But well, yeah. yeah, this is, this is one of our theories that has gone absolutely, um, arseways <laughs> right off the podcast. bat. Exactly. <laughs> like we kind of thought that Bruce was going to get locked down, put into a cell, probably taken out of the equation of maybe the first half of the season. Yeah. Um, the doppelganger would turn up at some point, maybe not quite this soon, but maybe, Time would move forward a bit and it would be, you know, five weeks later, he's got his long hair he's, he, and, and all that. And Alfred or someone thinks that it's Bruce Wayne. Right. He's been found and they've cut his hair before Alfred's got there or something like that. Mm-hmm. And he's now into the role of Bruce Wayne that, and that was always his, um, that was his objective. That was his kind of mission. Yeah. And he knew that and that's what he was trying to do. But of course, Absolutely blown out of the water. Instead, he is like happy goth, um, goth Bruce. Um, you know, happy probably, sad goth. Ha- happy sad goth Bruce, um, loves him, the cure, all that kind of stuff, probably. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it'll be in again. It's another little interesting turn mm. and, and twist and turn here that I wasn't expecting. Yeah. I didn't think that they were going to come face to face. But they really need to dye his hair blonde so that they know which is which. <laughs> I know and, if I know they cut it. If yeah. they cut it, they need to dye it ginger, blonde, you know, green. <laughs> An interesting like idea. That. But yeah, it's interesting. Is there any theories? There's loads of theories out there as to who the character is. I think we talked about some of them before. But obviously, is this a long lost brother? Is it a clone? Is it his twin that got taken into Arkham uh, before his parents died? Kind of thing. And Bruce just doesn't know about him. And um, loads of theories out there. 
I'm not too sure. I think we've already had a theory that didn't pay off. So uh, I'm I'm really interested to see how this goes and how it plays out. How do you how do you write out a character that Bruce knows about now? Um, you know that's going to be quite interesting. You couldn't. You'll have to keep him on board for a while. David Mazus is going to have a lot of work ahead of him this season. I think. I hope so. And I mean, I think at San Diego Comic Con he did talk about playing two roles. Mm. You know the. Bruce Wayne and then the alternative Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, that was a great acting challenge. And I, I think from, from how he described it, from what he was talking about at San Diego Comic Con, yeah. that it really is, um, you know, it's, it's alternative, uh, happy, sad goth Bruce is going to be there for a, a good while. And I hope so because it's a really interesting storyline. Yeah. Um, and now that they've brought them together, it's kind of going completely against how, um, I thought it would pan out. I thought this was going to be, you know, the Trojan horse type of thing, yeah. you know, or the prince and the pauper yeah, type of thing. Exactly. They were placing in the big man house. in the iron mask yeah. type of thing. And I must admit, when I had, when I heard the line from Catherine, the, the court of owls lady who goes, um, so, all those things that you've been investigating for the last two seasons, right? We want you to stop all those. And Bruce goes, okay. I was kind of thinking, is he going off to college and they're just going to write him out of the show? He's got no more storylines left. And in comes Bruce Ganger. So yeah. yeah. And this might be, this might be obviously is the catalyst that basically says, damn our deal to hell mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Cool. So really good, really good first point. Uh, our second case point. Where are we going? I think I think it's time for Ivy. I think it's grown up Ivy. Yeah, yeah. Boobarella yeah. arrives. Um, <laughs> I did make on that the comment. show. Yes, yes, I did make that comment when I saw her. Um, yes, a grown up Ivy does uh, does definitely change the dynamic uh, that was there, and um, certainly with um, Dead Man's ex wife's uh, clothes. Yes, she certainly picked the green revealing number. Um, <laughs> I think it could have been the only green dress in there. But let's go right back to uh, to our first moment when she reveals herself as she arrives. On the, uh, the, the ocean side, I guess. Yeah, spewed um, from the sewers of Gotham yeah. and yeah, onto sort of this rocky beach. Yeah, I really liked, obviously they kept the costume, uh, cause that's what Ivy uh, Pepper was wearing when she fell into the sewers at the end of episode one. Uh, I love the idea that it had a little bit of seaweed in her hair that did look like Ivy. It nice did, yeah, touch. it definitely, yeah, it definitely nice did. Again, I think we said this in the last episode, you know, it just worked so well being incorporated into the story yeah. uh, as it was and here then we see her obviously the w- with the transformation with the aging uh the the mind the memory you know is trying to catch up with what's happened trying to process so you, you see aspects of it starting to come back through this this episode you certainly see her using this new look this this newfound charm to deadly effect obviously um she's not too concerned about the plants when she's broken a pot over his head um you know she leaves it there i thought yeah. it would have been nice if given she killed him because he didn't look after the plants that after <laughs> breaking the plant over his head she might pick it up and say you know, just take it away with her so that she could repot it and keep it alive. Well, I have to say, I, I, I know what you mean, but I do think the visual was great. I the loved, visual I was excellent. The cracked pot over there, really cool. But just I'm, saying. I know, I know. Um, I'm, I think I really like this choice here. Uh, I was really worried because in my head, I'm looking at it going, this was Claire Foley last week, a 15-year-old girl. Um, 
you know, yes, okay, she lived on the streets, but she's never been a street smart kid. She's never been a Selena Kyle. And what's happened here is she's met a guy, asked him for a drink. He's brought him back to her house. Absolutely. He, you, you can tell by the fact that he offered her an alcoholic drink that he doesn't think that she's a, a kid. He doesn't know she's a kid. Um, he starts asking her questions like, do you have anybody to call? She says, Nobody, nobody's looking after me. My mom's, uh, in, my mom's left. My dad's got dead. shot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So she tells him all this stuff. And the whole time I was watching it going, uh, this is probably not a good idea to a stranger you've never met. Uh, yeah. Take care of yourself. But they turn that story on its head and she's actually the one that he should have been afraid of bringing into his home. Nice touch there from Absolutely. Gotham. Really good storytelling. I mean, you know, I'm still going to say I'm going to miss Scruffy Ivy Pepper. <laughs> I'm going to miss Claire Foley's yes. uh, interpretation of her. Um, I'm going to miss her with Selena Kyle in that sense. But I'll be, I'm really interested to see how new Ivy Pepper interacts with Selena Kyle. Mm-hmm. Will it be a case of she won't recognize Selena Kyle? Will Selena Kyle recognize her? Because she has changed and now with the new look mm-hmm. you know certainly she's unrecognizable to the old ivy pepper yeah so, but it'll be interesting to see these two meet up and, and to see that dynamic and and how they they bounce off one another if indeed they do or whether you know there there is some some kind of um tension between the two yeah so i really it'd be it'll be good to see i think and do you know what this is gotham if we have a guy like marv that ages people we could have another character that de-ages people and we may see claire foley back in the future you never you actually never know with this yeah. show um although that could turn into gotham babies maybe where they just de-age all the characters and they have them all hanging out in a in a <laughs> in a kindergarten be. maybe but yeah. that probably won't happen anyway yes i did like the introduction to uh to maggie hill's character uh really cool to see um a murderous ivy uh especially spurred on by the fact that this guy's not taking care of the plants in his home thought that was a, yeah, a nice big touch. john where are we going next i think we are going jim's women i think so i think so jim <laughs> is a bad bad juggler <laughs> he's terrible he's really really bad uh-huh. i mean i i was thinking you know is valerie now valerie vale looks very manipulative mm. obviously that dynamic of manipulation is being completely hammered home here between her and jim yeah does this kiss mean anything or nothing? I, I, that is the big question. However, the lips have been planted on those Jim Gordon reds, and it is, quite frankly, another chalk up for for Jim here. <laughs> he, you know, it is certainly a womanizer. Mm-hmm. And the thing that makes it so tragic, maybe cliche, I don't know. Is the fact of the, the train rolling into Gotham Central yeah. Station. And lo and behold, there is Leslie coming off the 956 to Gotham. <laughs> steam billowing around her feet. Great image. I love that sort of 1930s look to the train it, and it, that. It looked the most like Batman the Animated Series. I think this this show yeah, has ever done. Yeah, it was gone excellent. I absolutely I, loved the look. I loved the okay. feel of it. And I loved the fact that it was, you know, it, it the, the the woman's scorn, the woman who's, who's found another man in this other place hmm. has come just as 
Jim is planting his lips uh, onto Valerie Vale's lips. So it'll be interesting to see the <laughs> dynamic. It, but even it, it more... Be, but remember, like, I must say, I was always on Ross's side and friends. They were on a break. You know, she specifically broke That's up. True. He broke up with her. She left the city. He went out to bring her a bunch of flowers, looked in the window, and she seemed to be having a pretty good life with a new man. So... Jim's in no in no danger here of being a, I don't of being think a cheater so. in, in this case. No, I don't think so at all. I don't I actually think that this this kiss from Valerie Vale is pure manipulation. It's purely trying to get him at a low ebb, to be honest. Right. Um I think. I mean, I could be wrong. I think for the for the character of Valerie, she, she kinda points out the reason why she's attracted to Jim is because she just can't work him out. I think we've had that problem with a couple of episodes throughout the seasons we couldn't work out what jim's motivation was either um but i i, I kind of like the idea that she's that she's now uh he's a dangerous on. man he yeah. you know he's a bounty hunter he has everybody pl- loves boba fett he's yeah he's played her as well mm-hmm. in terms of cuffing her to the, the side of the car she has played him you know th- there's there's a game of chess being played between the two of them yeah and uh you know the the the, the white knight and the black queen have just had it off on the chessboard. That's what's <laughs> happening here. However, almost a chess analogy yeah, there. <laughs> absolutely. However, one of the things I think here where Jim was not going to kiss someone was in again this fabulous little scene in the Sirens Bar with Babs. Yes, we did um, say this point was called Jim's women. All three of his women feature yeah. in this episode and. Barbara Keane just steps up to bat and she beats the ball out of the way yeah, with this great, great scene. <laughs> great, great scene. First of all, it's just, you know, I will tell you where Selena is if you give me a kiss. I- um, you just see <laughs> Jim's face and heart sink at this request. But in the end, she's playing him and, um, you know, she gives up the information willingly and you kind of think, oh, Bab, she's great. And then, <laughs> She comes in with this, I had a dream the other night about you, Jim. You know, you'd lost both your legs and I was pushing you around (laughs) in a baby carriage. Fantastic. The image is priceless. The image is priceless. Absolutely. I I also love that little moment between (laughs) the two of them where... uh, where um, Valerie's kind of recounting the story of Barbara, yeah. you know. Uh, didn't you attack uh, Leslie and Jim at their wedding? And didn't you end off in Arkham? And she goes, well, yeah, but I'm out. And I, I got a certificate saying I'm sane. And Jim's response to it is, yeah, signed by Hugo Strange. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, He still doesn't believe this woman is sane. And he's totally right. She is absolutely insane. I love the idea here of bringing these two characters back together again. Um, they've got such great interplay together uh, as the seasons have gone on. Aaron Richards just does a great job job of Babs. Absolutely. I I I think Jim's ladies that he either knowingly or unknowingly surrounds himself with um <laughs> the crazy and <laughs> who you know, to be honest, whether he's much of a, a, a gentleman or whether he's a gigolo to them or whatever, the the complex interaction between him and the ladies of Gotham mm-hmm. Is brilliant. Yeah. It's, it's actually really good and none more so than Jim and Babs. Definitely. Um, you know, I can see this now, uh, really, you know, we thought it was complicated with two in season two. You know, we had Leslie and we had Barbara. Mm-hmm. 
Season three, he's got three. Will season four hold four? <laughs> I can't we'll, wait for I season mean, ten. Yeah, season uh, ten will be the harem, the yes. harem mm-hmm. of Jim Gordon. Yes, <laughs> another theory presumably will be dashed. Uh, you never know. Yeah, you never it's know. a good one. It's uh, a funny one. I think it's time to move on from point number three on to point four. Uh, the secret mansion with of Hugo Strange. Or the not-so-secret mansion God. by the end of it. <laughs> I mean, for a secret top-level facility mm. with a secret research laboratory uh, that only the government knows about, <laughs> we had the police turn up mm-hmm. that shouldn't have known about it. So, mm. you know, Captain Barnes could be in a bit of trouble here. Yep. Then the press... Yes. Finally, <laughs> followed by the penguin and the people. Yeah. And the mob people. They're not very nice people with their, their pitchforks, baseball bats and crowbars. Mm. Um, it's no longer a secret facility. It certainly isn't. No. But it was pretty cool because we got Hugo Strange. I very am cool. so glad he is back. BD Wong is um, back on the screen. You know, yes. oh. interesting to see how much of a part he plays in in this season. Maybe it's just for the the first half, or maybe he will continue throughout the season. But BD Wong as Hugo Strange was one of my favorite aspects of season. Mm -hmm. And I am so glad that, you know, he hasn't just been, he's in a safe house somewhere and we don't see him. We've got him, or Fish has got him now, and I really want to see what happens here because he can cause so much trouble. And it's good trouble with Hugo Strange. <laughs> like she wants an army now. Fish wants an army from him. Um, he's well, already said he can't cure. He would have done it if he want, if he could, but she is not going to let him away with it. She is going to try and get Hugo to do everything he can uh, to let her keep these powers definitely. and create the army. You know. Yeah, I thought this was really, really good though. Absolutely, really good to see him back. Mm-hmm. Um, really good to see. Um, that, that whole hostage scene actually was, was superb. You know, that Harvey's taken, uh, again, we have Captain Barnes probably absolutely in, in, probably in episode three, it's going to happen. He's going to rue the fact that he took Jim Gordon along. Um, 100%. you know, he's, but I, I love the fact that Harvey's picked up here. Um, you know, all stemming from, uh, being, the the GCPD being tipped off about um where fish is and mm-hmm. um, she escapes you know we see some really cool monsters in in that bank scene with fish but it ultimately leads to this um this hostage situation because she's kidnapped uh, Harvey in mm-hmm. order to find Hugo you know she's got him now but I I, I like the little the the double cross and triple cross yeah. that, that Jim did here, you know, going in, saying to Fish that you can escape, and then double crossing her. Yeah, absolutely, and effectively absolutely. triple crossing, um, and double double crossing wherever, uh, Captain Barnes. I mean, mm-hmm. poor Captain Barnes. I suspect he's going to lose it actually. But I think if if Jim's plan had had resolved itself the way he thought it was going to, Oswald killing Fish. That kind of would have been everything playing back into the hands of Barnes because Oswald let Fish go. It it didn't work out, so everything's gone all wrong again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this scene, um, a really interesting scene, having the whole gang from Gotham turning up at the doorsteps of uh, of the secret mansion, and yeah, led to something that I just didn't really expect in the show: um, the burning of the bodies of Sid and. The other, the other monster was really not something I was expecting. I was pretty no, I, shocked. Yeah, I was like, 
I mean, it's the it's... name of the episode. Burn the witch is the name of the episode. I know, but... but I must say, I thought it was going to be Fish Mooney. Mm. I, I thought it, she really was going to get her comeuppance here. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, I didn't want that to be the case. I'm so glad it wasn't. No fried but, mackerel for you. But ultimately, <laughs> um, yeah, I was like going, hang on. I know this is Gotham. Mm-hmm. I know that it's Mad City. I know it's crazy, but the police are still there. Uh-huh. And would they? I know it's a comic book show, but even in the comic books, I don't think the GCPD stand back whilst members of the public burn bodies. Not usually, um, like that is very extreme. Mm. It is quite extreme. Okay, I get why they're doing it, and I get the reference to, you know, the burning of witches, the ducking stool. You know, if they survive on the fire, well, then they're a witch, and if they don't, well, then they weren't. But, you know, damn, they're dead now. Um, (laughs) It's kind of... It's maybe a bit too over the top, but look, Mm. they've done it, and so... I mean, what do you do? I think, I think once again, it did what, uh, what Gotham does for me. Every time I watch it and I see a character in the show and I go, they're getting a lot of screen time. You've got this character, Sid, who even gets a name, blonde haired speedster. And really we're, we're cool. In the, yeah, yeah, we're in the DC universe here. So this is a speedster. This yeah. is someone like the Flash, basically, who's able to move around at speed. Really cool. So I was going, character. I was going on my phone. I was going on, on the internet trying to find out who is Sid, the evil speedster. Is she a Flash villain? Oh, she's dead and now burnt on a fire, so you'll never see her again. Um, yeah, and, and yeah. weirdly doesn't use her secret power when confronted with an angry mob with pitchforks. Mm. I mean, quite frankly, now you see me, now you don't. That's the trick she's been doing with the police. Quite frankly, love, I would have done that when confronted with the angry <laughs> mob. Uh, I like, I don't know what she was doing. Because really cool power. I would have loved to seen her persist through this season. Hmm. Really cool power. Really good kind of sidekick with Fish Mooney now that effectively Selena probably isn't going to be what a member of her gang because of what happened with, um, with Ivy Pepper. Yeah. So like it would have just been really nice to have had her and Darth Vader, female Darth Vader, (laughs) um, both with Fish Mooney. Yeah. I'm not too sure why Fish Mooney said keep them at bay when they could have just closed all the doors and and so on. But yeah. Well, uh, Fish was trying to get away, so it's. Yeah, it's I don't understand tracks, why um, uh, Sid didn't use her speedster powers mm-hmm. um, when confronted with the angry mob. I think it could have been the baseball bat. But anyway. But <laughs> she could have ducked it. Maybe, maybe. Unfortunately, as I say, this is them putting a, a nail in the coffin of poor Sid. Uh, this is not a character we're going to see again, unfortunately. Oh, well. uh, but on to our final point, and a short one, I think, but a great moment. It's a great moment. Yeah, there were some really specific moments that were really well done, really mm. stood out in this episode. I think we've mentioned Alfred and, and Bruce. Yeah. You know, we've mentioned Babs and Jim. Absolutely. And And here we have... Fish and Oswald. And I was convinced that this was the end of Fish Mooney. Definitely. I really did. And to be honest, the fact that she had Hugo Strange, I was thinking, oh, and he's gonna, he's gonna go as well, potentially. Because I know there's no love lost there with Hugo Strange, um, with, with Oswald, given the bromance with, um, with Ed Nigma. That's true. So, I was kind of thinking that two of my favorite characters from the show were going to get 
Bullet to the head. Bullet to the head from all sorts. But instead, what we got was a really kind of nice little touching sentiment. Mm -hmm. And it really married these three together about the creation of, you know, the prodigy and Hugo Strange's creations all kind of meshed in nicely to this little speech from from Fish, really saying, you know, you were my umbrella boy. You were my um, foot massager. Yeah. Um, and to see you turn into the King of Gotham, that is why I let you live. Because to see that, to see what had come from my organization, what I had created, yeah. uh, you know, I couldn't eclipse that. And I mean, you see that in how she, you know, she has that character trait. We've seen it in the, um, the cellar at, uh, Dr. Dolmacher's, mm -hmm. you know, she, she rallies the troops. You see it with Butch and with the people in Fisher's Bar in season one. Yeah. And you see it now with the monsters. Okay. Maybe she's just thrown, um, Sid and, uh, female Darth Vader <laughs> to, um, you know, to the mob. Yeah. I don't necessarily think that's what she meant to do. No. It was just keep them at bay and then get out of there and we'll yeah. hook up somewhere later. But, you know, she's, she does have that kind of protective, you know, if you're loyal to her, she is loyal to you. And mm -hmm. that's always been the character trait. And I think the fact that he did push her off a building, I don't think she's holding that against him. Yeah. In, in a twisted, true. weird way. I think that no longer matters anymore because of what he's become. True, true. Um, it is, it is know? a great scene, but a, a, and a great speech from, uh, from Fish Mooney to Oswald and I did even when he said the line goodbye fish I don't want to see you around here again I still thought he was about to pull the trigger uh, and take her me out too, me you too. know I thought she was making this final speech and that's it so in all in all likelihood this is another moment where Jada Pickett Smith disappears from the show for five or six episodes and they come back with maybe a new army of monsters created by Hugo so uh it'll be interesting but I did like this kind of wrapping up of that side of um of what's happening yeah. Absolutely. And it could be she's in a desperate situation, desperate measures that she just spouts that. I mean, I know I've just said she may have forgiven him, mm -hmm. but maybe it is only paper way, thin. Way out of a situation. Yeah. Maybe it's only surface deep, you know, that she has just bought herself life. Mm -hmm. She doesn't mean any of it. And she is going to come back. And when she does, she will target penguin yeah. and that will be a nice little twist there because to be honest watching it i took it at face value mm -hmm. but maybe maybe she played the game yeah yeah perhaps um to, to secure her survival yeah so right. maybe absolutely a great final point there for our, our top five of this episode uh, a couple of notes about the episode uh my first one is the uh the controlling of Harvey by Fish. It's really good to see these two characters yeah. together again. Uh, remember these two characters, the last they left each other in season two was a kiss from Harvey to, uh, to her as she left uh, Gotham for what she, what he thought was the final time. Uh, and she does say it to, to Barnes on the phone. She says, even though I love Harvey, um, I'm willing to kill him uh, if you don't come. Right. Um, yeah. so that was quite interesting to reiterate their, their relationship. I thought that was a nice little moment between the two of them. Yeah, I have one note. I love the less conscientious Jim Gordon where um he turns to Harvey and goes, you need to tell Barnes something. I'm going home. <laughs> like completely, look, Fish is still alive. Oh no, I've messed up here. I shouldn't have trusted Oswald. Uh -huh. um, 
is it alright, Harvey, if you tell Barnes this? I'm going home so to good. get a whiskey. Really, again, it's another side of Jim that, you know, goes against what you would expect him to do. And it, I, it came across to me as really funny and, re- but really on point in his new bounty hunter role and his I couldn't care less kind of role. Like he, he's really channeling that kind of noir PI type detective yeah, element um, where it's like, I'm doing this for the money. Actually, you know, I've messed everything up. Yeah. I'm going home. This isn't my. This isn't my job. This anymore. isn't my job. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Really you, liked it. You just tell him something. Yeah, really good. Uh, speaking of which, I think it's time for our bullockism of the week, John. Uh, if you didn't join us last week for our episode, uh, episode one of season three, um, we did say that we have started off our bullockism competition uh, for the season. All we need you to do is send us an email to feedback at gothamtvpodcast.com with your favorite bullock moment of uh, of the week. Uh, The first prize in the pack is the Harvey Bullock Funko Pop. Our bullockism of the week Weirdly, for an episode that featured Harvey Bullock, it was a pretty serious episode for him. Uh, it wasn't a huge it really amount of was, actually, uh, wasn't yeah. a huge amount of, of stuff said in this episode. My one for this week is clearly when Fish says goodbye to Harvey, says no hard feelings, and Harvey goes screw you. Uh, very Harvey, very Harvey moment. Uh, I don't know why Fish felt that everything that she did to Harvey, now that he's out of her control, would have uh, gone unnoticed by our good old Harvey. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I kind of. Um... I like the play on Strange, you know, where he goes to the two guards at the secret mansion. That's Strange. Sorry, Strange Weird, not the guy Strange. <laughs> you know, good little play on what you expect Harvey to do, have that kind of fumble uh, over saying that, being that kind of precise, uh, overly precise about it. Mm-hmm. Good so fun. yeah, that, good that was a good little uh, bullockism as well. I Absolutely. Think. So if you want to send in your bullockisms of the week each week, you can email us to feedback at gothamtvpodcast.com to be entered in our draw. Don't worry if we've already picked your bullockism of the week. All you need to do is pop us in an email, tell us who you are, and we'll pop you into the uh, into the draw. Uh, we're doing the draw about episode 11, we think, uh, of, of season three of Gotham um, to give away the prizes. Absolutely. I think wherever the first half of the season uh, falls, we will do it there. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. I think overall, this was another good, solid opening episode and certainly quickly moves the story along. I think it had a few surprises for me in terms of the fact that Bruce came face to face with the Court of Owls, Mm -hmm. was also revealed to the court of owls and they revealed themselves i thought that was even more surprising i think having hugo strange turn back up again the evolution of grown-up ivy really working here uh, as well yeah and um I, I just think some really good twists and turns you know uh fish mooney being serious when she talks to oswald about um you know being her creation yeah. and that's why she didn't kill him or was it just simply for her to uh, escape from being shot by by oswald mm-hmm. to what extent is again the doppelganger straight up is this an act or is this you know gonna flip the potential of what was or what we thought was going to happen mm-hmm. that he would kind of take on the, the, the mantra and the role of Bruce Wayne was Bruce Wayne was effectively rotting in a cell yeah. somewhere yeah. held by the court of owls. That, not that's not yeah. happening. So the, yeah. there's some real new threads and paths that have been laid by the writers here that yeah. certainly are, are a nice little, um, 
twists and turns and and, and a little you know a a a juggle of of what maybe was the more obvious route to take. So that was really good, and I yeah. think that's why. I think on par with the episode one, you know, I would give this three and a half Jim Gordons in a baby carriage out of five, to be <laughs> I, honest. I was certain it was going to be three and a half burning bodies of monsters. Um, no, this no, episode. no, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, I think, you know, again as well, just that relationship with Jim and Babs really enjoyed that. It elevates um, the episode. It really it? does. Yeah, it's cool. Um, and I think, uh, you know, maybe the burning of bodies was a step too far mm-hmm. who knows you know maybe it was for me this was another really solid episode yeah. um for for the start of gotham so really uh, looking forward to episode three absolutely that was definitely a, a mouth wide open moment for the episode yeah, for it was. <laughs> thanks so much again for joining us this week for this episode of gotham tv podcast uh we do have a little bit of feedback uh, uh, coming in from daniel butcher again thank you so much for sending in your feedback uh once again, he started it with "Don't read until you know what has happened in the in the episode." Um, <laughs> Daniel says, "Worst moment? Did they really have Leslie walking in front of a green screen train? That was like Agents Agents of Shield season one bad special effects. Was there really not a random <laughs> real train station she could walk at?" I, I'm kind of in agreement. I thought that was a really weird thing. It, it looked- was total CGI awfulness, but. I kind of liked it. It it wasn't even that. It almost felt like there was a drawing of a train that was left over from Batman, the animated series. That it they may well have been, of. but it was cool. <laughs> All right. Trains are cool. Okay. Uh, Daniel goes on to say, best moment, Penguin brought to you by fish. I love the fact that she sees the power of her creation and can't destroy it. In short, Penguin is her legacy and it was created from nothing. She loves him like a mother does and she's totally coming back. Yeah, I totally agree with you. She's she's going to be back on board. And I wonder if Oswald is actually going to give her a bit more time a day next time he sees her because of that discussion they've had. Yeah, maybe. And maybe a, like a super villain hookup. Maybe. maybe. Oh, but the thing is, Ed would get jealous. He would get jealous. And <laughs> yeah. he would constantly be whirring around in his head uh, the notion that she's going to double cross him. Even though he said, cut through... The, the complexity, the Gordian knot analogy from episode one. Mm-hmm. I think them getting together, being a team, whilst he's in Arkham, could really eat him up. I would think so. But I, I suspect so. it's not going to happen anyway. So you think there's going to be a Moonal part in future? <laughs> <laughs> that would be hilarious. <laughs> um, finally, Daniel says... Uh, Jim is so unlikable. You remember when Harvey was unlikable? Well, Jim is worse than that guy. And... Um, I'm sorry, the Valerie Vale can't get out of my head from grown-ups, which makes me think of her as a grown-up. Jim Leslie love tri- triangle is so predictable, which totally took away points for not making us wait for Bruce Doppelganger. At this pace, Bruce will be taking on the Owls again in two episodes. You know what? I think the the whole love triangle, yeah, a bit of a trope of the shows, but it's fun. It's fun, right? I think it is, and certainly if he racks them up in uh, in line with each season, uh-huh. you know, season three, three, that would be hilariously yep. um, great. It would, it would be really funny if it's um, four and four and five and season yeah, five. Like that, that, that would be uh, that would make sense then. What? But I mean, yeah, it it is a bit of a trope. I wonder whether with Valerie Vale's case, the fact that they have kind of been at loggerheads, I hope that it's. I hope it maintains the fact that she's doing this to manipulate him mm-hmm. rather than it being a serious thing. Because that would be 
and would make sense. Yeah. I, I would like to see this because in many cases, you know, Jim has let Babs down. Mm-hmm. I know. And then she went off the rails. Absolutely. I get that. You <laughs> A know, little bit. He, he's yes. kind of let Leslie down mm-hmm. as well. In all these cases, he's been the one that's not been there for them yeah. and, and ha- ha- has maybe pushed them away in some way. Mm-hmm. And, and it would be good to, for him to get that medicine off gotcha. Valerie. Yeah. Um, and so I, I hope that Valerie's kiss is a manipulative snog. <laughs> and I will say one point. I know this was the cliffhanger for Jim's uh, Jim's storyline in this episode is, oh no, and Leslie's arriving back in town. But there's so much to her story that we don't know yet. You know, I, again, over six months have passed. She's yeah. with, with another guy that's longer than she spent with Jim. If I if I have my timelines correct, it's I think it might be longer than she actually was Jim's partner. So um, she's been out of town. She could be just walking back into town to pick up her wedding dress so that she can go get married to her new beau. You know, it may not be anything to do with following up with Jim and seeing where he is and what he's doing. But know? knowing what you know, yeah, if okay. you were Leslie Tompkins, would you come into Gotham to get your wedding dress? You Probably know. not. You never know. She might have her have her wedding dress from the last time she was engaged well that's you true. know you never Got know family heirloom <laughs> well, thank, you, thank you so much for that feedback agent daniel really good to hear from you again and thanks so much absolutely to thank you daniel if you want to send in your feedback you can always email us to feedback at gothamtvpodcast.com do remember we do have the send voicemail button over on our website at gothamtvpodcast.com just click the button record what you want to record send it into us and we'll chat about it on the show and play it on the episode so hear your voice on the podcast yeah absolutely um you can also join us at our Facebook communities over at our page and group just go onto Facebook and search Gotham TV Podcast uh, join the page join the group like the page um, <laughs> and of course uh, you're very welcome to leave discussions, comments thoughts about uh, Gotham mm-hmm. Season 3 any of the episodes so far so far um absolutely come and join the community there yeah. and of course remember you can find us on gothamtvpodcast.com forward slash itunes or search gotham tv podcast on any good podcast catcher yep and finally over on our twitter page at gotham tv podcast go search for us follow us over there thanks so much for joining us we'll be back with episode three of season three of gotham as we get closer to the uh, appearance of the mad hatter i believe absolutely yeah. uh can't wait for the mad hatter to arrive one of my favorite characters along with Ed Nigma and Oswald Cobblepot. So um, the trio of uh, badassery will be showing up. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, again, thank you so much for listening. Mm-hmm. As always, a pleasure, and we'll speak with you next time. Absolutely. John, will you tell the listeners something? I'm just going to go. <laughs> Bye. for being a Butch supporter. Butch loves you, baby. Thanks for listening to Gotham TV Podcast, a TV podcast industries production. If you want to help out the podcast and you've enjoyed listening to us, there's some really easy ways to do it. If you can share our episodes through your social media channels like Twitter, Reddit, Facebook, or Google+, that gets some extra listeners into us. 
If you want to leave us a review on iTunes or a rating, just leave a five-star rating, click the button, or go to iTunes through gothamtvpodcast.com slash iTunes. We'll take you straight to our page and leave us a review or a rating there. That always helps out independent podcasts. And also, as always, we love to hear your feedback about the show's interaction with our audience is what we really, really love. So you can send us feedback to feedback at gothamtvpodcast.com. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.